We are oh. out here. Tag. Fuck y'all talking about sophisticated Tag. ignorance. Are y'all fucking crazy? That's a fact. Talk are that y'all crazy? Yo, y'all getting me tight. Like I be out this here trying to be, to be humble. Let's be not get drop. fucking crazy. Sophisticated ignorance. All right. Yeah. They ain't gonna like me. They ain't gonna like me. I be getting to the money. Everybody man. Think I'm getting too much money. Everybody man. Same old nigga from the block. Same old nigga with the pop. Same old nigga from the trap. Everybody hated on the Danny Bounce right back. Oh, we figured you stood up, so you was working on something. You're embarrassing us. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking embarrassing, bro. Word, I just told her we've been doing this shit for two years, and now fucking joke. We're laughing stock. Hello, everyone, and welcome (laughs) to Sophisticated Ignorance. I am not you, Smoke. Oh, no, I'm Steven, and that's Vixen that we was yelling at. Good and afternoon, everyone, or whenever you're listening to this. Um, what's going on? Happy New Year, first and foremost. Let's not be rude. Right, yes. Happy New Year, guys. Isn't there like a cutoff, though, on when you say No, you have to say it for at least... A, first first week, a full week, right? No, I was going to say first four months. Duh. Bro. Because <laughs> <laughs> I work in customer service, so after like the second, I was done with telling, telling <laughs> people happy, I, new happy New Year. I give year it a good week because I don't see people. Word, you got to say it to everybody you see for the first time for the year. I give it a week. And that's it's usually four months. That's a dub. No, just single digit. Numbers. Yeah. Once it hits like the 10th, you can't, you can't say it no more. Oh, you mean the 10th so, month or the 10th day? Shut <laughs> up. All right, moving <laughs> on. We have I'm a guest. You, <laughs> we have a guest. <laughs> Please introduce yourself. <laughs> My name is Haley Nolasone, CEO and founder of Civically Engagement Incorporated. Thank you for joining us today. Thank um, you for having me. We have a very civil conversation. So please, ladies and gents, look alive. And he looks at me when he says that. <laughs> Mad subs. I really don't know why she agreed to come on here. <laughs> Clearly, she never listened to this show. I got swindled. <laughs> oh, Brooklyn, just keep on scamming. Um, so tell the, the people a little bit about yourself. Oh, where should I start? Okay, so um, start from the beginning. So you were a fetus, so right? July nineteenth, nineteen eighty-eight. It was a Tuesday. <laughs> I hear it was raining. Uh, the angels were, you know, tearing from the <laughs> happiness in their eyes. <laughs> but um, no. So long story short, uh, again, my name is Haley uh, Nolasco. I'm Brooklyn girl, born and raised all my life. Um, Dominican descent. I'm from. I'm a first generation Dominican. My parents were immigrants uh, to this country. And um, for a long time, I've always just been not only like a history junkie and kind of a nerd, but Mm -hmm. have always been really interested in how to give back to community and knowing about self and how to keep that, you know, and push it forward. Um, Mm -hmm. So some each one teach one sort of situation. Um, Prior to this, uh, I've been working on um, public safety for some time. It's something that's very close to my heart, very near and dear to me. Um, Yeah. But X away, I have a whole bunch. I could start anywhere. So like that's how like I can tell you a bunch of stuff. So okay, you say you always wanted to like give back into your to your community and things of that nature. Was there anything that specifically happened in your life that made you want to do that? Because that's not typically something that you see from a majority of people, especially in our age group. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Um, so 
I'd say so. I'll, so okay, I'll go back to the fetus time. So um, I don't want to say like <laughs> I, I don't want to say like oh just, you know the you know stereotypical story. You know I was raised by a single mother, but um, for some time my my parents uh, they divorced when I was two, and that affected me deeply for some time. I'm um, growing up. Um, I have a stepfather, but he's an amazing individual. You know played a good role of being my father, um, but you know it's still not always the same. You still don't have your father figure in your life, and then you see your siblings growing up with your with their father, and you kind of always wish that you had that in your life as well. Um, so for a long time, I felt really misunderstood in life. I felt like nobody really understood me. Um, and my mother, she, she remarried, I want to say probably when I was like around eight years old, but, um, she was working she's a hairdresser my father's a bodega owner so like super dominican my mother's a hairdresser my father owns a bodega <laughs> but so <on> <laughs> like so right? on with the cat uh, the right yes there is a cat there is a cat there's always a bodega cat there. there's always a, a, a staple you need you're not a bodega if you're not a bodega an employee he <laughs> might put claim him on his taxes he might he might depending but um Let's see, where was I going with this? Oh, yes. Yeah, so, um, so my mother was, you know, she was working at a hair salon. Uh, so my grandmother and my grandfather, they were taking care of me throughout the day while my mother worked a lot of hours. Uh, so they were my, they were my caregivers. I loved them to death. Um, they lived in Marlboro projects, um, well, Marlboro houses. Um, in the uh, shout out to Marlboro. Gang gang. <laughs> uh, I lived, I lived there with my grandparents for some time as well. I was going back and forth with my mother living in Bensonhurst, and um. I want to say when I was around, I'm forgetting the age, but I was probably like around 11. My grandmother had died from a heart attack very suddenly on vacation. Mm-hmm. And that kind of like, I kind of like spiraled out of control after that because that was the person I was so used to always seeing. And mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I loved her very much. And then my grandfather had passed away two years, two to three years after that um, from colon cancer. So it was a very like traumatizing moment in my life. And now that I do the work, I understand like ad- the impact of adverse childhood experiences on a young person. And, and I was saying, you know, again, with the traditional stereotypical story, I met a boy. He wasn't in the right path in life. You, you might want to say whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, he was gang involved. Mm-hmm. And um, through that, I also became gang involved as well, because through that, I found like a family and can fill the void for me. So mm-hmm. oftentimes when I work with youth, um, I always tell people, they're like, you know, how do you reach young people, especially um, young people that are in gangs, cliques, crews, whatever it is. Um, and I'm like, well, the first thing you need to say is don't tell them to leave their gang because they're going to shut down on you immediately because you don't know what that gang might mean to them. Not mm-hmm. saying that, you know, you're promoting um, adverse behavior, but you don't know what that means to them. You don't know if it's safe for them to leave. You don't know if that's a way of them getting, you know, by economically. And again, you don't know if that's their, their family, like that's something that's filling a void for them. Mm-hmm. So that's never the tactic to go. Uh, so for a long time, I was fighting a lot. And I always felt like I had to wear a mask in a sense. So I became gang involved when I was uh, 13. And, you know, it's not like, I, you know, and I never want to be like, oh, you know, I was running hoods out here. Like, it wasn't like that. Like, so I'm not going to, you know, Griselda. yeah, I wasn't Griselda. <laughs> I, was, I was not Griselda. Understood. But um, I had my own experiences, having been gang involved and, you know, fighting every single day and also going to a high school that was, shout out to Sheepshead, um, also going to a high school that was predominantly not in the made up of the of the gang that I was in so mm-hmm. you can imagine I had a very hard time especially being head um, on a swivel at all times yeah trust you know you have issues. to be very yeah trust issues not you know and even today to this day I'm 30 now but I still look over my you know I'll be in a very comfortable situation but you'll I'll catch myself like looking around or if I'm around too many people and it's mm-hmm. like it's a form of PTSD and oftentimes mm-hmm. we associate PTSD with like veterans or you mm-hmm. know but we don't understand that even on the 4th of July if you're hearing uh, firecrackers and you're like is that gunshots gunshot. or a fight that's mm-hmm. a form of PTSD yeah it is. If you hear a, a tire pop, it's like, was that a gunshot? Was that a tire? But the the fact that we're even thinking that way is a form of PTSD. People in other neighborhoods don't necessarily think like that. 
So even now to this day, I'm so far removed from that, but it's still something that I experience on an everyday basis. So it wasn't, so fast forward, so again, having to pretend, you know, that I was angry on days that I wasn't angry so that people would not, obviously not want to take advantage of me and also playing that role as a young woman as well. So that's already a weird place to navigate. And I was probably like 30 pounds lighter, <laughs> the same height, but like 30 pounds lighter and, and fighting a lot. Um, and, you know, grades were slipping, obviously. Like, nobody thought I was going to graduate on time. My family wanted to put me, considering putting me in, like, a mental institution at a time. So it was just a, a really hard, trying time for me. Um, and then there was this one day in particular that always stands out um, where the person that I was with at the time, my boyfriend at the time, I think his brother had robbed someone the day before. And um, the person saw me and uh, my boyfriend at the time together. And he wanted to retaliate against us, although we we didn't have anything to do with it. But he wanted to retali retaliate against us. And it was on King's Highway. I'll never forget that oh, day. Gosh. And all I saw by the 82 stop. I'll never forget that mm -hmm. day. And right in front of rainbows. I'm and I'm, I'm like walking. I'm walking down. All of a sudden, you would see like people like the force multiply. Like there's so many people. And it's just like you hear everybody doing their call and stuff. And all of a sudden, like, there's a difference between being a coward and obviously I'm using euphemisms, but it's like there's a difference between being a coward and being stupid. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like I'm not fighting 30 people. Like, I don't care who you are. You ain't got no superpowers to fight 30 people off. Wait, of. you're, you're not Black Panther. No, no, it's not happening. Like, <laughs> not it, never. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, well not, well, not Marvel movies, but like, you know, those other movies where like things are happening. And I, I kind of get upset sometimes. I can't do like Wanted. That's always when I always wanted to do that like that. <laughs> I'm getting on topic. But I always want to make you want a curved bullet? Yeah, you know, like it was like always so cool. Not to say the curved bullets, but I always thought that was cool. Like she picked him up in the car, and he just like it was no, cool. No, it was a good movie. But you yeah, got it, you got it. Off on a tangent. Off on a tangent. But um, yeah, going on, going on. So you know, we're running and getting on the bus to go for our safety because it was just three of us. And the person just picked up a brick and threw it, and he threw it at my head. And if it wasn't that the person moved me out of the way, like I could, maybe I wouldn't be here speaking to you all right now. Maybe mm -hmm. I was a vegetable. Who knows what I would look like at this moment mm -hmm. um, if I'd be here? And it skinned me, and I just like felt it, like just bypass my head like that. And mm -hmm. ever since that day, I was just like, "This life, is this is not for me. Yeah. This is not what I want to do." And it's it's never been me. Like I'm a Spice Girls fan. I've been Posh Spice for years, you know. So it's just like. And I always say that's a joke, where it's funny, but but I just always say that just to like put things into perspective. Where it's just sometimes you you pretend, and I don't say pretend, but you, you're you're moving as if you're something because you're masking other pains that you're feeling and other mm -hmm. traumas that you've had in your life, and you feel like. For a long time, I didn't know how to deal with a lot of emotion. And we all know that anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. So it's taken me a very long time to even know how to, you know, just talk deal about how that. I'm feeling. Yeah, mm -hmm. because usually it's just like, you piss me off, put hands and feet on you, right? It's right, just like, that's, you know, that's what stop, you do. Stop. You know, it's yeah. not, you know, like, but at that time, like my mindset, because that's what was the norm for me. It was mm -hmm. just like, you don't like something, it's, you you answer it with violence. And even that's why I always talk about when I, oops, when I have kids, like I would never want to put hands on my child only because it's that it's a learned behavior. So now mm -hmm. you're understanding that, okay, if I don't like something, I can put hands on you. I can hurt you physically. And that takes away from how you just deal with conflict. Mm -hmm. So it's not healthy. It's not healthy behavior. Um, so needs to say the next day in school didn't go too well because a young man went to my school. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it was it was just a really hard time for me. And I was lucky to be able to get out of the situation that I was in um, because I had, a, I had a very strong support, support system at the time. So... Um, 
a lot of people always like, how did you get out? Or how did this happen? And I always just say, I just, I just got very lucky at that time. Um, and just had people that were in my corner just to help make that transition easier for me and definitely changing the norms around me as well. So it's just like, how are you going to change if you're just still in the same place all the time, doing mm-hmm. the same behaviors, practicing the same mindset? Um, and then for some time, like I was really embarrassed. Well, one, I, I took myself out of that because I don't want to be in a situation where I'm gonna get hurt or harmed if somebody sees me. But I also just removed myself. So when I, again, like nobody thought I was ever going to graduate high school or anything. And I, I bust my behind from like to have a 55 average for like almost two years and then still graduate with just under 80 average in high school. It's really hard because so you had to like knock out like 90s, like A's, like for the rest of your time there, go to night school. And I did everything that I had to do to the point where when I was like gra- graduation, one of my math teachers, Ms. Novotny, I'll never forget his name. He looked at me like, what are you doing here? When I was graduating, I graduated on time. I still went and got my bachelor's. I got my master's degree and I'm applying for a doctorate, for the doctorate program right now. So it's just like no one ever thought that I would be able to be in the spaces that I'm in right now. And who like I would have never thought that I'd be in the spaces that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. So I just use that to just want to give back and and um just really be intentional about the work that i do so for a very long time i just like put that to the side i would never lead with that like oh i was getting involved like i never really want i was it came from a place of embarrassment and i got really lucky um after high school i worked for i didn't work i had an internship i was part of like this inner city youth internship program it was called um the all-stars project Mm -hmm. and um Every week, I got accepted into the program, and every week we would go to professional development workshops at like the largest firms in New York City. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the program, we would get um, uh, we'd get a paid internship for the summertime. Mm-hmm. I got really lucky because they kept me on board. They liked my work, and I was probably cheaper to have on board than you know, like somebody else had a full probably. salary. So it works out for me. Mm-hmm. So for about five years, I worked at that law firm, and that also helped me to mature as well. And then after that, I worked at another large law firm, and then after that, I worked for public television. I worked for WNET for some time, which is um, PBS Channel 13's parent company in New York City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was it was a cool experience, um, but I always felt like it wasn't my calling. I just always felt like mm-hmm. there was something, and and to be frank, like I didn't want to be anybody's paper pusher. Like I'm I'm not here to answer your phone. I'm not here to schedule your meetings. Like I just felt like I was here for a greater purpose. And um, and then also there was so many microaggressions that I would experience on an everyday basis, just being a woman of color in these spaces, and a lot of times like, but I didn't know what to call it then. Mm-hmm. Because like I'm not I, I didn't know what to call it, but now because of the work that I do now now I I can see it and call mm-hmm. it for what it is. But then I would just I just felt like I'd be embarrassed and stuff. Like I remember one day I'll never forget. I always talk about this. One day um, I have a peach tree in my backyard, dope. and pretty dope, pretty dope. They actually just cut it down. I don't think it's peach season though. I think yeah, that, I don't know when that is though. So I'd probably be lying. But <laughs> I tried. I tried. Yeah, next time I'll, when I do get peaches I'll be like hey guys remember the peaches we'll yeah. have you back <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one day in the office because you know you always want to be down you want to be cool with your co-workers and stuff so whatever and I was like oh guys you know I have a peach tree I'll bring some peaches you know tomorrow and they were like you have a peach tree in Brooklyn and I was just like like what and it's just it's something so small but then at the same time it affected me and then also being somebody that graduated from CUNY at that time once but now I'm a two time CUNY graduate like being in a space and it's just like, oh, you know, we should, we're a nonprofit organization and nothing. And, you know, they they were great people, but it's also like implicit biases that people have. Mm-hmm. So you could be well a well-meaning person, just being frank again, you could be a well-meaning white person, quote unquote. But then also you have to be very uh, understanding of the privilege that you hold and also your implicit biases. And I think that that's something that they not, that wasn't available at that time. I guess they, I don't know what's going on mm-hmm. now at this point, but. It's like we're a nonprofit organization. Um, we should have some, you know, young lawyers come from, you know, CUNY Law. Mm-hmm. And the person in the room was just like, "What?" I would. He's like, mm, "Yeah, I would prefer somebody come from a real school." Mm-hmm. And then I've but, heard that about like yeah. how they view CUNY in general. 
Yeah, because like it's a public institution. Yeah, yeah, you don't have an education, but it's also like, and not to talk down about anybody that's ever been to Ivy League institution or a private institution, like that's great, big up to you that you were able to do that. But oftentimes in, in a CUNY institution, you do get a very good education. And on top of that, so many of these students are juggling life. Like just life in general so it's just like i i worked i got my my master's degree working three jobs so it's just like it's very difficult to manage that so i would prefer to hire the student that was able to get three jobs and still get her her master's degree and get honors than, than somebody that just like oh you know like right. you had a more privileged life maybe you know mm -hmm. you might have had a more privileged life maybe you didn't have to work your dad is a judge or some shit yeah like and yeah. and that's not and that's not everybody's situation but it's a lot of people's situation and but that person would you know maybe graduate just because they have a certain school on their resume they might be called before like somebody like myself and then and, a lot of these professors don't only work in CUNY schools either mm -hmm. like they could be working at private schools yeah also. so you can have a, a, a professor that works getting at the same yeah. education mm -hmm. oh, absolutely. yeah you can have somebody that works at Columbia one day and then they'll be at Brooklyn College or you know John Jay another day mm -hmm. and you know people that have actually had lived experiences and have done the work um so it, it that's really hurt my feelings like just say like <laughs> that really hurt my feelings there so um I read this book um, the Alchemist is my favorite book. I don't know if y'all hey, read it, but it's the best book. book. I love that book. Book yeah. gang. Uh, I love that book. It that book when anytime somebody asks us like, do you ever have a book that like changed your life? The it's Alchemist is always that book for me. Like if you look at mine, it has like little pink like little notebook pads in it, sticky notes highlighted everywhere. Not to cut you off, but if you guys remember at my party, I had custom made cupcakes, and each cupcake had mm -hmm. a quote from the Alchemist. Oh yeah, you oh that's dope. Yeah, you, yeah, you said that. on the show that was your favorite book. Mm -hmm. yeah, we ate that night. Was that night? It was delicious. Oh, I still have the cake I didn't cut. Box. Oh, well. <laughs> what? I, I can't eat it's cake. It's in the freezer. It's in the yeah. freezer. Okay, it's frozen. I think it's the flaggy. That shit was months ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> frozen. it's frozen in time. As long as it's frozen, like people get frozen married and then they eat their cake a year <laughs> it's later like a to celebrate cake. their anniversary. Yeah. Just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. Well, I'm saying, like, I understand you could have it for at least a year. Hater. <laughs> but, but it's true that. Well, well, think about it. Frozen food. I mean, now we're in a different episode, guys. But it's like frozen food. Like, it has a long Word. I, really want, cake my, with I really want my peaches now. Peaches and frozen cake. That's the next episode. Vixen oh. eats it first. <laughs> and I think that's really dope, though. Like even thinking about that, putting quotes on. It, it's just it's such an amazing book, and it's mm -hmm. really that book that really put things into perspective for me. And just really thinking about is whatever it is that you want. If you really want something bad enough, the universe will conspire to get that for you. Mm -hmm. And I quit my job. I just went. I quit my job, and I decided. I, was, I just really started thinking about um, what is it that I want to do. Like, what is my calling? And something told me, like, well, you know, you've kind of been embarrassed about, you know, all the stuff that you went to as a young person. And maybe the way that you can, you know, find your purpose is to revisit that and take away the shame and just, like, live in your truth. And I, I saw, like, that same day I saw, I was, like, well, not the same day, but, like, kind of around that time, I saw, like, this um, posting for an internship at the Brooklyn DA's office. Mm. And I applied for it. And I was so mad at first because when I, you know, they just give you an assignment when you get there. And I got this assignment at um, the Supreme Court and it was really just like looking at files and filing them away. I started mm -hmm. crying so much at first. I'm like, oh my God, what? I just quit a, pay a good paying job with some benefits <laughs> at a TV company to just like file About paperwork. Papers. And I'm like, I'm not learning anything. Like, mm -hmm. But I was just like, wow, this is terrible. But I guess I'm like eight weeks and I'll just, I'll figure it out. Whatever I need to figure it out, I'll figure it out. But within like the next day I got called into the office and the lady that was my supervisor, she called me into the office. And I really wish I remembered her name right now because I think what she did was just so dope. Because it's just about, like, this is really how we should move in life. Like, empowering other people. Like, seeing the talents that people have and just, like, being honest. Like, put you should not positions. be here. Like, let me put you in positions to do something. And she was like, 
I'm sorry, but I looked at your resume and you shouldn't be here just filing paperwork. She's like, I'm going to just... I'm, I'm just going to look around and see what division might have some space for you and take you on. But just like hold tight. Just keep coming for now. And by the end of the week, I was in a whole other division. And I was in um, Kamler. At the time, it was called Kamler. Now it's the Kings County Reentry Task Force and Kamler. So it's a mix of both. And people coming home from prison and people coming home from prison um, within like 72 hours, they'd come there and get like their entitlements or Medicaid, whatever they need and get case management. And I was so happy to be in that space. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. And I know it sounds crazy. Like, it's like, what? You're excited. But like I was really excited to just just be in a space to learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got there, they they never treated me like an intern. Like I was legit a worker there. Like I had a caseload. I was doing, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. And I was running workshops, groups where people have just come home from doing 20, 20 years plus. Um, I was working with sex offenders. I was doing the whole, the whole shebang. And I remember um, like in my second week, I, I forget how old I was at the time. Maybe I was 24 or something. And um, was I 24? 24, 25. Um, this guy comes in and he he just came home from doing like 24, 25 years in, in prison. And all I could think about was like, I'm looking at him and I was just so humbled by him. And I was just like, every experience that I've ever had, you were in jail for. That's all I kept thinking. And I'm like, mm-hmm. there are so many people that are sitting in prison. Like to this day, from the day you were born to right now, there's been somebody in jail. Well, there's been somebody in prison. So think about that. Every heartbreak you've had, every happy day, every vacation, every mm-hmm. every moment that you've ever experienced, there's been somebody behind bars about that. And I was just, and ever since that day, it just like put it into perspective for me. And I was just like, this is the work that I want to do. And then when I started working, like uh, there was a sex offender that came in and I was like able to work and manage it, it you know, just like, and it's it is a very not not everybody wants to work with sex offenders. It's a very tricky thing, mm-hmm. um, but for some reason I just although I don't agree with anything that that person has done, right. it's just that these people are still coming back. And I don't say these people; that's not the right word to say. But it's just like people are coming back home from prison, and it's just like who's if I don't work with you, who's gonna work with you? Like somebody mm-hmm. has to be able to to work with them. And then when they saw like how I was able to work and provide supportive services for that individual, they were just like, "You're meant to do this sort of work," and it's, and they just like uplifted and continued to empower me. And then after that, I was able to get um, a job at GMAC, um, an organization called Gangsters Making Astronomical Community yeah, Changes. Them, yeah, yeah um, really dope individual. Um, the founder is, a, I, I want to say, he's like a big brother to me. I'm very, very cool individual, somebody that I definitely look up to um, as a mentor. I, I would say he gave me a springboard in a sense. Um, so I was one of the, like, I don't want to say founding because he founded the organization, but for their East Flatbush site, I was one of like the first staff to work at that site. And um, through that, we were working to... Um, decrease or stop shootings and killings in community and although i live in mill basin but i have a lot of strong ties to east Flatbush as well you know hanging out having a lot of friends mm-hmm. so um something that was always near and dear to my heart and also with my past where it's just like when if i would have kept on moving the way i was moving when i was a young person who's to say like what could have happened to me i could have been incarcerated got a bit shot at or who knows what what could have transpired so it was something i've had family that have been you know shot at people that i've loved have i've lost them so it's just it just felt like everything was moving into place, and I had a place where he he would always like just propel it, propel me forward. Just you know, having uh, just being in the space to to work with other people and really learning about what community organizing is. Um, and I was able to have like my first smaller girls group, so working with young women that have um, high risk factors in their lives, and just mm. like being a mentor for them. So that was like my first taste of actually doing that. I never really, besides I was in a sorority in, in high school. I mean, in high school in college, um, but this was very different. Mm. Um, so I was able to work with them, and those are to, to this day, those are like my babies. I love them. Oh. I still bother them. I like follow. Like once you once you're my mentee, I never let you go. <laughs> uh, and then um, when I when I finished working there, I worked for um, I was working on this project at the Center for Court Innovation. 
where uh, I was working on the intersections between gun violence and domestic violence. And it was something, again, very near and close to my heart because I've also, I don't really like, I'm really weird with like certain languages and saying, excuse me, saying um, domestic violence survivor. Or, and I understand why we say survivors, but for me, it was always like a weird thing to say. But having experienced intimate partner violence and what, what that's done to me is very important um, to learn how to have healthier relationships. Not to say anybody's perfect. You know, there's always going to be a moment. You could have a, a, a healthy relationship with unhealthy moments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what does that really look like? So really looking at the intersections between gun violence and domestic violence. And that was a really dope opportunity for me. Um, I was doing that. Um, we, we were planning on that in, in Bedford-Stuyvesant. And oftentimes we look at, like, if you look at gun violence and domestic violence, it's always often very siloed. Um, so if, like, somebody gets shot, God forbid, if somebody gets shot and it was, like, a domestic violence situation, oftentimes it's just looked at as a gun violence issue and people forget about. But the reasons what led to this okay. was something that was, like, a, and you could think about a million different scenarios of why that can turn into gun violence. Like, let's say... So, um, two people are dating and you know it gets physical you have a brother or a sister and they they just happen to have a firearm and they're like i'm now i'm gonna retaliate because you hurt somebody that i love right that, the, that's just one scenario the, um jennifer hudson situation somewhat kind of sort of was it with the ex coming to like shoot in the family and kill everybody i'm not so sure i'm not remembering it too much yeah. but this happened a few years ago right yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's uh, and then also like when you have a firearm in the home within intimate partners, and I'm saying intimate partners because oftentimes all people think it's always like male and female, but it's also same-sex relationships also have intimate partner violence as well. And if you have a firearm in the home, the likelihood of um, the lethality rate goes up 500 percent. There's just there's just so many different. 500? Yeah, 500 percent. I'm not good at math, but that's crazy. <laughs> yeah so just thinking about it um and also like gun violence is going down the city but one form of violence and violent crime that has not been going down that's been stagnant is intimate partner violence because it's often something people don't really want to talk about it's a private issue don't get in my business mm -hmm. and it's also i don't want to get in their business because what if now i become harmed because yeah. bystander intervention is also very tricky um but or it was the, you try to give them advice and the person still goes back it's a kind of crazy situation yeah it's very tricky yeah it's very tricky but i'm thinking that, but just saying working in um those three spaces really helped to springboard me into the work that i do now and just really understand and also while i was at uh, the center for court innovation um they also allowed for me to have a girls group as well so i had a larger girls group where i worked with like 25 girls that all had high risk factors and i love those girls to death and i always say this one story where it's just a changing mindsets is the most important thing like when we're thinking about youth and how we want to change their mindsets and how do we decrease violence in the community it's just it could be small little victories. You can't always, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and I tell people all the time, it's just like, if you're, this is the work you want to do, like there's going to be many times where you're just going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed more times that you're going to be celebrating. It's just a fact of what happens. So, you know, every time we meet, there's always food because you got to have, you know, you got to have some food. <laughs> you got to feed people. But they always want pizza and fried chicken. And it's just like, I'm like, one day I was just like, I'm getting you different food today. I'm like, <laughs> so I ordered them all sushi and I didn't even warn them. <laughs> So think about Ooh. it. I'm like 15. No, Culture shock. That's risky. Culture <laughs> shock. It was risky. I still can't get people to eat sushi to the Hey, day. yo, what is this? <laughs> they were Bro, not. Man. They were like, Haley, why would you do this to me? Popeye's we hungry. This ain't on Popeye's menu. <laughs> they were upset with me. They were upset with me. But I was like, listen. This is just a, I just want you to, I want you all to try something new. If you don't like it, now you'll know you don't like it. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's just like, you know, just try something new. And they were like, fine. But there was, so I got 
But you know, I, I try to do it a little different. So I didn't get the raw stuff. I got like the tempuras and stuff. You know, right. you gotta ease no, okay. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that, that's right. it. So I <laughs> like, they'd be like, you do not love us. <laughs> so, it gotta be fried. <laughs> so yeah, so I got, so some of them liked it and other of them didn't. And I was like, okay, well at least now you know. They were mm-hmm. like, all right, that was a cool experience, Haley, but don't ever do that again right. to us, for real. All right, that was cool, but <laughs> you got relaxed. <laughs> But, you know, I, I'm thinking nothing of it. I was just like, all right, you know, we just tried something new, whatever. Next week, you get Chinese. Well, whatever it is that you want, I'll get it for you because you all at least tried. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I want to say a few days late, whoop, a few days later on the weekend. I think that's like the third time I hit this microphone. Um, I do it all the time. Uh, they went on a college tour. Mm. And I mean, they just I think they just went to Brooklyn College, but they just want to go see what the campus looked like. And they were going to go get food. And the group of girls were like, there was something that was like, oh, let's go to Burger King. And they was like, no, remember Haley said we got to try something new. And they went to Chipotle. And it sounds like something Whoa. so small, right? But it's just like something you, big to them. It's something yeah. big because you're thinking about, oh, Chipotle, like people, but they never had Chipotle before. And mm. the fact that they could even say, like, I don't want Burger King. She said, let's try something new. We never had this before. Let's go for it. I was like, that was a really small victory for me where it's just like, that's a small friend. It's changing mindset. Yeah, because it could start at food and then it could just be just for like different things. Else. It could be anything. Yeah. And then one thing that I thought was really dope about the curriculum that I had built at that time was, so every week I was like, I'm going to teach them something that they don't learn in school. So I'm going to teach them about microaggressions because I didn't know about that. I would teach right. them about financial literacy. I would teach mm-hmm. them about how to have a healthy relationship. I would teach them about people that look like them, black and brown people that look like them, um, that you don't really get, that don't really sh- get shine the spotlight. Like, like February when Black History Month, you get spoken about just like what, for a month. Like it's just like. With the same five people that they With the same five every people year. with the history that they want to say. Mm-hmm. So we would have like different conversations about that so that they can see themselves in people because representation matters. And then on the second day, we meet twice a week. And on the second day of the week where we met, I brought young women, um, again, young women that look like them, to come in and talk about the work that they do. And, like, what does it feel like being a young woman of color in whatever fields? So I had traditional and non-traditional fields come in and just so they can know what's out there because you can be an entrepreneur as well. Um, you don't necessarily have to, you know, not saying that you can't be a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer. Those are all great professions, but it's not for everybody. So it's, mm-hmm. like, open their minds to other things so they know that they're, they don't have they to have be options. narrow. Yeah, there's a lot of options out there. Like, even right now in New York City, I think there's more, there, there's so many jobs available right now. There's more jobs than there are people to fill the jobs, but there's their skill levels or, like, or the interest people don't know that they're out there. Mm. So it's 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 really weird, dynamic, but just so that they can know that that's there. And there was one person in particular that had came, my friend Alora, she's dope. Um, she travels the world, and she had came and spoke to her, and the girls loved it. They were like, wait, what do you do that you get to travel so much? And they're just thinking about, like, because you have to think about so many young people, they don't even leave, they don't leave their block. They don't oh, leave nice. their neighborhood. Yeah. and they're seeing another they're seeing another black woman that looks like them going to Greece going to um, Egypt Italy. going right. to all these dope places that they've never roamed like they're like what? like you can do this if you can do this I can do this and they were talking about it for weeks they're like yeah cause you know I'm gonna go away and I'm gonna be in a boat <laughs> next stop Dubai <laughs> yeah but you know and they're talking about it Chipotle but Chipotle on the yacht <laughs> yeah Chipotle on the yacht <laughs> and these are me. exactly with extra guac with extra guac <laughs> yes always say yes to the extra guac like Fine. yes I want it that's when you made it <laughs> that's when you made it right but uh, I thought that was so dope so I thought that that was like cool what I did with that curriculum and it made me want to start civically engaged because it's just like I have I think I have pretty good ideas and again I don't have the answers to everything because every day I'm learning as well like, mm-hmm. so I was just like well what can I do to continue to amplify the work that I've already been doing and continue to empower young women that have been impacted by institutional racism you know oppression different systems of oppression and what that looks like and how do you help them and also how to help young women that have been impacted by violence whatever that means whether it was um you know, violence on them, violence in their families, whatever it is that they've experienced, like, how do you bring them in? Because there's so many, there's all, so many times where 
like going back to my girls from the group that I was running, it was called Her Life at the time. And these are young people that continue to have doors closed on them all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want to work with that kid. Like, give me the bad, yeah, I'll work with the bad kids, quote unquote. Like, and I hate that term, bad kids. Right. But they'll say like, oh, yeah, I'll work with the bad kids. But then they cherry pick. They pick what a bad kid is. It's like, mm-hmm. I'll pick this one because it's an easier young person to work with. But how about the other the other young person that needs a little bit more attention? More disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're more disenfranchised. Yeah, so it's just like, you're going to just continue to close the door. And then and then when that when something happens, happens to that young person it's just like oh I knew that was going to happen but what did you do as a person like a responsible person in the community to try to help that to try to stop them or like try to just move it and, 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 not, and not to say like if you work with 20 people maybe you don't get results in three right let's just say but you're planting seeds in so many other people mm-hmm. other young people they might not get it today they might not get it tomorrow three years down the line they'll be like oh I remember that conversation that I had and then they'll put it into practice and motion so I don't ever think a lesson any lesson isn't a lesson lost um so I just wanted to create an organization to do that and also putting, especially like with, you know, 45 coming into to place. And, <laughs> and also when you think about um, women in the political realm, the political arena, when you look at just women in general, significantly lower amount of women that are in seats um, nationally. Then when you think about women of color, that shrinks. That's why it was cool. Like right now in Congress, what's happening where there were a lot of women, you know, different people of color you see. You know, people, Native American women, Latino mm-hmm. women, Black women, Muslim. trans. You know, Muslim. You're seeing all these things happen, and it's just like, oh, that's dope. But we can continue to amplify and augment that on a larger scale. Right. But what's important is that I, I just assessed that you know, there's some sort of a gap here where who's talking to young people, the young girls with lived experiences as well. So it's just like they can know that they can also be civically engaged as well, that they can be out and use their lived experiences to propel other people forward. And that doesn't necessarily have to be being political, but just being a public servant, just being a person in a community that cares about yourself and what's around you and just becoming more aware. Um, so that's the reason why I created Civically Engaged. That kind of like brought me to. Yeah, that so was very long winded. You, <laughs> you answered like half of our questions. <laughs> Question number <And> two. <laughs> <laughs> you answered like no, all no, of our no. questions. Well, you um, said stuff from the beginning, so to be fair, this is true. This <laughs> is true. Yeah, but I, no, I always ask people of that, and they usually just stop after two sentences. <laughs> Sorry, I also disclaimer: I talked. I was a born. Lot. I was here. Next. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was about to just walk away from the mic. It was like she got this. <laughs> I'm not needed. So, um, well, okay. So you mentioned the nonprofit that you started, and you mentioned the goals of it. So, how does it vary, or what's the major difference in comparison to other? establishments that are made because i think right now is probably the highest concentration of just women entrepreneurs that are crafting businesses mm-hmm. and things of that nature and more so recently we hear about these stories of like the fake women empowerment mm-hmm. so you'll have like you'll go to these events and the people that's on the panel they don't really engage with anybody they mm-hmm. give their little spiel and they fucking walk mm-hmm. away and when you approach them they're not really personable and things yeah. of that nature so how is your establishment different and what is your opinion based on based on the those other you know groups that operate like mm-hmm. that? So I'll say what's different. Um, what's different is that well, we're still working on um, getting our feet really on the ground right now, um, and just really trying to do a, a real assessment of what the needs really are and mm-hmm. how we could really be effective and meaningful, um, being meaningful and effective in the work that we're trying to do. And also again, working with young women of color that have been disenfranchised, right? That have had these lived experiences. So that's, that's how I would say we make us a little different and, and also that I have a lived experience as well. So oftentimes there are many, I feel like I've been saying oftentimes a lot, but there are many not-for-profit organizations um, that, ha- that are well-intentioned 
but the top down doesn't look like everybody watching Secure, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like black hand, um, white hand, black kids sort of situation where mm-hmm. you right. have these organizations that are mainly the white organizations that are working in good will or good faith to help community. Like let's go out and like but save, they don't these, really like, save these kids. Their needs. And you might empathize. You might really empathize. Let's say, like, you might really empathize. Yeah, you might be genuine. Like, let's say you're, you're genuine. You empathize. Y'all. What's yeah, the like we got y'all. What's the problem, right? <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, but do you really understand? Like, mm-hmm. and it, and it's and it's and you know, we it's great to have white allies and people that are really intentional about doing the work. But it's also very important to have people that have actually that look like them mm-hmm. also doing the work. Um, right. So that's what I would say. And not again, not to say that they're not doing great work. There are organizations doing great work. Of but it's good to have again representation from top from the top down Absolutely. so and you go to some organizations and you go up there and, and no one looks like you but then when you go the, down to the smaller or like the more grassroots level part of that sort of organization then you're like okay here are the people that look like me but where's the what what does leadership like how what's mm-hmm. mobility looking like like what right. so although like super small organization there's only three of us right now uh, myself my friend angie and my friend Catherine. it's just us right now um really working on building this but i already see that when we do do it we're really trying to be very when we do continue to again expand, um, expand and grow that we're going to be um very intentional in that way and when we're talking about um the fake women empowerment i i, I kind of laughed inside at the same time because at, the, at first i'm like what does fake women empowerment mean right mm-hmm. what, what does that mean but i do understand what what it could look like when you go to so i go to a lot i've sat on a lot of panels i've also been to a lot of panels and the other day somebody was like why don't you have a panel and as your next event and i was just like I, I, I breathed for a second mm-hmm. because I was just like, it's so easy to put a bunch of women together that are doing something, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, you have this, you have this, but what's what's the next step? Like, mm-hmm. you're just going to talk and then hopefully something resonates and somebody's like, okay, that might have been cool, but then it's just like, what's, what's next? Yeah. So yeah, so it's just like, I'm not against doing a panel or wanting to have a discussion, but I would just would want to put something that's way more meaningful together because I go to these things all the time and you just hear people speak. Sometimes you get really compelling people, but other times like, it's just like you just putting anybody right. together to have a conversation. It's the, it's the yes, this movement. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and I, and yeah. I get it. And it should be yes, this, right? It should be like everybody's like, yes, everybody, unpa- let's uplift each other, right? Especially women need to hold each other down, right? Yeah, More absolutely. than what we're doing. But it's just like, what is the intention? And I want to say, I believe that they're being done with good intentions, right? It's not about, you know, I believe that most of the time they're being done with good intentions. However, you have to, if you're having an event about a certain issue, mm-hmm. You really need to do your homework and your research on it. I shouldn't go to your event and then, like, more harm has been caused, right? right. In a sense, so I, I feel like there's also events where it's just like they're well-intentioned events, but then at the end, you kind of leave with, like, wait a minute. They, I kind of, did I get the help that I needed or did they use the correct language? Or they, and that happens a lot, you know, mm-hmm. in a lot of different spaces. So um, that's, that's kind of how I feel about, like, the fake, I don't know about, is it fake woman empowerment? Because, like, what does fake woman empowerment really mean in a sense I mean it was only from the standpoint from what I've heard because I I don't attend these events but from Mm. what I'm seeing what I've been told is like they go to this stuff and it's basically the person just showcasing who they are they're Mm. not really giving you knowledge it's like oh I've accomplished A, B, C, D, E Mm. then when they try to introduce themselves and really network and try to talk to these people it's kind of like it's eh, very surface level. Yeah, I, I ain't I really stop, trying to talk to you. I stopped going to them. I feel like it's just a popularity thing, yeah. honestly. And especially um, when it comes to the borough of Brooklyn, like everybody in like Brooklyn is like a whole socialite type mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, it's not even really like a, it's I'm, not really like yeah. I'm trying to showcase anything to provide to information. Help you. It's just I'm it's showing like, up to look cute for I'm, Instagram yeah. and take pictures with every it, other socialite basically. in Brooklyn. Yeah, like, and look I at this event it. I crafted. Yeah. I got all these people to come pull up for me. 
and then I'm out. It's an episode of Hustle in Brooklyn. That's what exactly is. It's that. So and, 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 and I do get that. Annoying. And that's why I'm like, you have, I have sometimes I really when we were talking about before you were like, all right, you come into the, you know, I have the conversation. I was like, I'm very weird about where I go when I speak sometimes because it's just like when you do speak in certain places or when you go to certain events and you put your brand on it or you, mm. you know, because you, you are your own brand, right? Mm -hmm. That means you agree. That kind of like you kind mm -hmm. of agree. So if you're in a specific arena, you go to an event, and then let's say that person is I'm trying to use an example right now. Whatever. Let's say let's say the person is is an anti. Damn, what's a good example? Public I don't, figure. Go it's on. a public <laughs> figure. It's a person's a public figure. Let, I don't want to say like a domestic violence or a, or a gun situation. But we'll say gun. We'll say gun violence. Whatever. The person is having a anti gun violence event. Mm -hmm. And I go, I shake hands, I'm like, you know, it's great to empower each other. But then at the same time, the person has like a bunch of guns in their car. What? Right? Like, let's just say, like, like for like a, like oh, a wild okay. example. Sorry. Like a wild example. <laughs> no, no, this has, real? this has not happened. This has not happened <laughs> at all with anybody. Okay, this has not okay. happened. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying, like, as an example, it's like Usually the hypocrisy. I do that. Like, it's the hypocrisy, what? right? Nothing. No, not with a gun. Wait, no, he just did. No, I'm just saying like hypocrisy in a sense, right? Or, you know, you're going there and I'm going to an event with you. We're talking anti this and let's move forward. But then mm. you have all this. You're stuff. not living the life. You're not that living you the life that you're, that you're saying. Or if mm. you're just having a woman empowerment event, but then the next time I, I look on your social media and you're tearing women down, mm -hmm. right? Or you know, or just. Or you're saying that you do something for work, and in, in all actuality, you're scamming, right. or you you're, 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 you know you're doing a whole bunch, and, yeah, it, and yeah. it's like you're doing this, but it's just like, but it's not real. Mm -hmm. It's not real. So it's just like, it just makes things a lot more difficult. So I definitely understand the you know the it looking like a popularity contest. I do feel like a lot of them are well intentioned. I do feel like there are a lot that are like just a socialite thing, and that's why I get turned off sometimes. Where it's just like I'm not I'm about this I'm work. Not going. Like I'm really mm -hmm. about this work. I'm out here like at nighttime. Like somebody gives me a call that somebody got shot in the head. I'm over there to, to give services, and I know mm -hmm. it sounds crazy, but like a few weeks ago, I had a mother that had gotten shot in the head in Brownsville. And I'm over there with their family providing services. So just because I'm not, I might not post about it every day. I don't have to post about the work I that I do about for likes. That all the time. You know, so mm -hmm. it's just it's not about it's not about that all the time. It's about like what what do you do when the when the cameras are off? What do you right. do when nobody's listening? And that's the important stuff for me. So it's just like yeah, I mean, I think the events are great, and but I just feel like they need to be. They might have good intention, but they need to be. They might have good meaning, but they need real intention behind it and real resources. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like, if somebody's point? going there to learn something, and it's great to have a conversation, but you can talk, you can go on YouTube and get like some inspirational stuff, right? This like, is true. What, what, what am I really going there to get besides some mimosas and some pancakes? Like, what is really, what is really let's, happening? Let's, mimosas and pancakes are great, <laughs> but I'm just using it as an example, or just like you know, or just a Focus, dinner, please. you know, like or just a dinner, or you know, you get free drinks or whatever it is. It's so much bigger than that. And it's a great way to pull people. It's a great way to pull people, but it's just like it's in the messaging, right? It's just all in the message. No, it's walk it like you talk it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think for a lot of those type of events, I mean, it, it could be a lot of loopholes in the sense of like how it's structured. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It could be the fault of that where it's like, all right, we have an attention, but it goes off the rails because these personalities might overrule well, like it with their, you know, with just talking about themselves and not exactly what providing the information. Of, right, providing information what the basis of those type of panels or talks are. And then on top of that, it's like, you know, there's no there's no action items at the end. It's yeah. just like, hey, we showed up, dropped some jewels. Yes, sis, you said it. And then, oh, that was great. I'm gonna go home. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? Where's the conversation lead to? Yeah. Where does actual physical? What like, happens next? Yeah, what happens yeah. next? And most of these panels and most of these type of conferences or discussions don't really have the what's next. It's just what's happening now. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We yeah, know the problem now, but what then mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah I agree 100% and that's why every time I'm on a panel or if I'm in a space I always have a call to action like there's always something that somebody should be able to do Correct. after a conversation and you don't have to do anything crazy it doesn't have to be anything like a you know huge like okay alright tomorrow I'm running for office no it doesn't have to be that it could be something as small as 
you know what, today, I never talked to my neighbor. I'm going to say hi, let them know who I am. You mm-hmm. know, it could be something as small as that. Or it, depending on whatever it is, there, there's just different ways to build supportive networks. But it's just like, what are you going to do to make a, a change today from something so small to something um, big? And it's just, and that's different for everybody. But there should definitely be some sort of, like, so, for example, there's um, a public advocate. Um, now I'm getting political. So there's there's a special lecture coming up in February. And people oftentimes only go and vote where it's like the president or, like, the mayor. But mm-hmm. there's so many other things that are happening that, are, that really affect you, like, in the short, like, day, that, that affect your day-to-day. But nobody really goes out and votes for that. So misinformed. You're misinformed. You're not voting for the right people. You just go down the line. You're like, okay, like this person. Or don't vote at yeah, all. Yeah, you don't vote at all. But these are these are people that are voting on what money should go into your schools and your districts. These are the people that are voting on what your streets should look like. These are the people that are voting on criminal justice um, policies that really definitely affect you. Like, right. that's what you should definitely be like. Yeah, it's great to go and vote for president. It's great to vote for you know the governor. But what are you doing about the day to day? So there, there's definitely um. A special election that is coming up. Uh, I want to say it's on February 26th um, for a public advocate. And mm-hmm. that's a person that really goes out. It's usually like the seat right before you want to go to mayor. It's like one of those like um, seats that propel you forward. Um, but that's really like the, it provides oversight and really listens to different agencies and really listens to community members and really fights for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, not, not a lot of people even know that that position you know, even exists. I've heard of it before, but I didn't know about this. I mean... To be fair, the mm. publication or the publicizing of these type of special not, and it's, an, it's and by it's design. It's <laughs> and sometimes you want to say, you know, it's by design yeah. as well, yeah, right? It's by yeah. design to keep people. Yeah, it is February twenty sixth. Yeah, I wrote it down. There you go. Like, Notes, uh, receipts. <laughs> go vote. <laughs> go vote. Uh, but it's it, it's on a very small scale. But it's just like, what are you doing? Because if you don't vote, somebody that does not believe in what you believe in will go and vote. Right. So it's just like think about it like that. It's like if I'm not going out there and doing something, somebody else that might not agree with what I'm, you know, what I'm fighting for, you can't be on the sideline complaining and not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And it only takes about ten <laughs> Why minutes. Why your Because she listen, She knows that life. <laughs> she fed up with them. Because you can you can always hear about that person that's like you're doing something. It's just like oh man, if I did, I don't know how you're doing it. If I was doing it, I would do it like this. But are you doing it? Yeah. Are you? Did you take the we time all, out? We all know somebody like that. Oh, well, we all do. Yeah. So we're locked. <laughs> Do not disturb. It's like, oh, I would like to do something for the kids. Okay, so I'm having an event. You want to come out? Or oh, I'm going to a rally. Um, one of the organizations that I work with are having a shooting response. So you want to help me come? Oh, I was thinking like Somebody a baby like shower or some shit. Like. <laughs> no. Is there going to be, yeah, drink? Yeah, Is there gonna right? be mimosas at the gun, ri- gun violence rally? But it's like, but, but we all agree. I'm sorry. We all agree that we don't want shootings and killings in our community. Absolutely. We all mm-hmm. agree that we want a safer, you know, safer, more resilient neighborhood. We all agree on that. But who are you really like? What are you doing for? What are you? What role are you playing in it? And it could be something as easy as a conversation if you hanging out with somebody. Like, if you're out here promoting what they're doing, like, yes, get your guns. Yeah, do this. And you're promoting all this behavior. That's, if you really love somebody, you're not going to promote that on them because you could lose that person. You could lose them to the street life or, or to, to prison. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anybody, you know, been in a jail cell or been to a jail, but like I used to do workshops in jails and that's not a place anybody wants to be in. And usually we see that, in, you know, in our communities, a lot of times we see that young people see that as a rite of passage at one point in their lives. Right. And it's not a rite of passage. It's not college. It's not it's not like it's not something you get. <laughs> that's not something that you want. You, and, and I'm going to speak at schools and I'm and I just ask them, I'm like, hey, raise your hands if you want somebody to tell you what to eat every single day and tell you when to wake up. And like, No hands go up. I'm like, raise your hand if you want to use a bathroom with no door. Raise your hand if you want to be in a in a um, you want to live in a in a room that's smaller than a bathroom or is the same size of a bathroom. Nobody raises their hand because nobody wants to go to jail. Nobody wants to be away from the people that they love. 
You know, so it's just like, why would you put, why would you not try to stop or like try to change somebody's um, mind frame? And it's also women as well. I feel like we also have a space and we always want to uplift our partners and uplift, you know, the men that are in our lives. And I'm just saying men because we're just talking about mm-hmm. um, like men going to, you know, if men go to jail or whatever. But if you really love them, like don't, we have so much, we influence men a lot more than we think we do. And when we allow certain behaviors, if, if certain behaviors make them think that they could get more girls and that that's what they're going to do. Right, so if, but if we don't think that's cool anymore. That's like that Chirac kind of. It was like, um, what was it? No, no, um, no peace, no, 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 no p word. There was something yeah, like that, but it was pretty much, yeah. yeah. So it was just like, an, and yeah, that might be like super like out there, but it's just like in a sense, it's just like, what are we, what are we accepting in our lives? And it's just like, with the with the men and just the people that we love in our lives, like, what are we, what, what are we talking about? What are our, what are our, what are our conversations? And again, and t- talking about civic engagement and like changing mind frames. Even when you're in a space and you could use it to educate someone, I'm always the one like ruining, like, why you gotta be the one to always ruin the mood? But she's like, that's not how you should talk about people, like, you know, locker room talk, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a man in a space, right, and guys are talking about, yeah, I'm gonna smash this, and yeah, you know, I do this to women, and I do this, and I do that, it's just like, but that's, you know, it's, it's part of toxic masculinity in it. So mm-hmm. it's like, great, what are you doing as somebody to be like, are you gonna sit back? If you don't agree with it, I'm saying, right? You're not agreeing with it, are you gonna sit there and just laugh? Because you're be like, because mm, you know it's, it's the norm. You just stay with the status quo. Or you can be like, yo, you know, I don't really think challenge about it, it like that. You know, ch- and challenge it and just be like, but you know, a lot of times people just like just let it rock. It's just, and I'm just using that as an example. But we can be in so many different spaces where we can help to change the narrative. You know, and, and just like just propel people forward in a more positive way. So civic engagement could be many things. It can be volunteering. It could be being. Um, you know, part of different organizations, rally clergy, but it could also just be part of conversations on our day to day. So yeah. So other than what also. you have going on, what are some other um, programs for the youth, for troubled youth so there's, that are out there? There's so many. There's really a lot of programs out there. Um, so one, I will, a few that I will talk about. We do have. Um, so my day, my day job, I do work at the mayor's office of um, to prevent gun violence, and mm-hmm. we contract with a lot of different organizations. And um, a lot of them work with youth with high risk factors. So there are so many organizations that are part of this, um, the New York City Crisis Management System. So if you do look up the website, you can find the different organizations that are out there. So in Brooklyn, um, we have GMAC that we have spoken before. We have SOS, um, Save Our Streets for Both Beds Die Crown Heights. We have Man Up in East New York. We have Operation Hood in Coney Island. We have Bevo in Brownsville. And mm-hmm. then they have so many other supportive services as well that tie into the work that they do. There's so many other organizations that are out there doing the great work. And I'm making sure I'm not missing anybody. I don't think I'm missing anybody, but they all do really fantastic work with young people and really have helped to. So New York City is actually the safest it's ever been. And sometimes we don't really see that because we still hear about people getting shot and getting hurt. Mm -hmm. But if you look on if you look online and you see the data from the 1990s until now, like it's completely different. Nice with New Jack City. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy. And that's this day. Yeah. And I think about it and I'm like, how did my parents navigate that? How did my parents navigate that? Because it was crazy. Right. Yeah. I thought about that randomly sometimes. It's like, yo, y'all was really like, my parents were busy working. They didn't have time to be. And they had real jewelry. It wasn't like, you know, like they had real jewelry. They had like real Back then there was no honor code. Like dudes was pulling up on everybody. I mean, I could, you guys mm. didn't grow up how I grew up. I grew up in Brownsville. Yeah. And Van Dyke Houses and Tilden and literally Brownsville Projects. So I do remember being young and like having to duck into the barrels. Barrels mm-hmm. like, you know, the yeah. little small park, yeah, the yeah. barrels you mm-hmm. hide in mm-hmm. and having to run with my little sister when she was little and like ducking the barrels when it was having drive-by shootings on when the guys was running through the parks and through the different intersections of the projects and shooting at each other. Like I remember stuff like that. I remember when 
I would be on one side of the park and my sister's with um, a family friend and they're riding their bike and then they start shooting. So automatically my mother just panicked like, where's your sister? And I'm like, I don't know where she's at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's with, you know, the family friend. I'm like, hopefully they're all right. So I remember times like that when now when I look back on it. So when you said like the girls got excited about eating Chipotle. Yeah. I come from a time to where as me and my sister look back out and we laugh. People like, yo, like we dead ass be like hopping in and out of cabs. Like we spend this much money on that. It's like kind of like a humbling experience and it's very shocking. Like we've come from this and I can literally sit here now and go out and spend fucking like $70 on a foundation. Like little stuff. It's like to a lot of people, you're a success story. It's it's Mm -hmm. crazy. And I still don't, we still struggle to this day and mm-hmm. we still have struggles that, you know, myself and my sister and my mom are going through, but it's nothing compared to what we were mm-hmm. going through before. And like, so when y'all brought that up, like, I don't know how the parents, like I legit remember ducking like in Sackman behind like an abandoned building because somebody got into altercation with my cousin. They came back to shoot and we was all outside. Mm. Like stuff like that. I remember when I, and I was little, I'm only 31. I remember mm-hmm. being seven, eight years old. And stuff like that. And stuff like that happening. To your, to your yeah. Current PTSD. To PTSD. Yeah. And even at work now, the girls be like, yo, Naima, you've come a long way. Like, you don't even say nothing no more. I'm like, I'm getting too old to always feel like I got to be like, what? Like, it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the point of PTSD. Like, somebody mm-hmm. say something to you. It's like, I'm not at work no more. I feel like I'm on a block and. So you think I'm pussy? Like literally, yeah. that's what pops in your head. It's mm-hmm. a form of PTSD because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. feel like someone's like right. really trying, trying to get you, yeah. right? Challenging you, yeah. right? It's and it takes a lot to cr- even take that out. Like even for me, like it's yeah. a long time for me to. And the work that I do has also been very helpful for me as well because even from mm-hmm. a few years ago, like I haven't had a fight fight in like years. <laughs> fight fight. <laughs> you just fight for people and you're not fighting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like I'm always, always, always for the people. I'm like not breaking not it up. You know, like interrupting the violence. You know, that's your that's your tagline. No, I mean like because it's. You, know, you might be breaking it up but you know people might be like oh, like, oh you know trying to break it apart but it takes a long time to even think about like even getting hot and upset like and yeah. I'm like even if you catch yourself like everybody we're imperfect people like I have mm-hmm. moments and I'm just like same thing like do you know do you know why like, right. but at the same time it's just like, like I've come so not, far and I can't mm-hmm. be a hypocrite in the work that I do where mm-hmm. it's just like I have so many people that are looking up to me and, and so many people the work you've already mm-hmm. done exactly and it's like I don't even think about people looking up to me until like somebody would like send me a DM and they're like yo like I just want to like tell you like thank you for the good work that you're doing. I'm like what? I'm like thank you. And I and I always respond. I always respond to people when they write me stuff like that. And it's just like and I appreciate. And I really appreciate it, but because it keeps me in perspective. And like mm-hmm. sometimes people might not even realize that. But if you're sending me a text or a DM or like just anything, just saying like yo, I really appreciate you and the work that you're doing is dope. That means a lot to me, and it really keeps everybody going. And sometimes you have to check, you know, on your strong friend. So it's mm-hmm. like a lot of people that do this work is like you also. It's a lot of vicarious trauma as well. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the stories that you hear, you know, even like in, in Brownsville, there's a young boy named Timmy that had gotten shot and killed in a basketball court um, mm-hmm. a few months ago. That broke my heart. It was it was so sad. And it's just so many. And there was a young girl. Again, this was also in Brownsville. She had gotten shot in the head twice while she was pregnant. And that story, I remember that. Story. That story when I when I started doing the work um, where I'm at now and seeing that like I when I run into her she's a miracle like when I first saw her walking I started crying and that's because I'm very invested in the work that I do and just seeing her and I'm like this is a success story like she was still able to have her baby she was five months pregnant when that happened and it's just it's mind blowing Mm -hmm. it's just mind blowing but it just it puts everything into perspective like this is why I'm doing what I'm doing this is why I wake up every day this is why it's important for me to be you know an ally with people that are doing the right work and doing it with intention doing it and and again like there's there's so many spaces to unintentionally intentionally or unintentionally cause harm but that's why it's like every day is a learning experience and every day you're trying to be better um, with what you're doing 
and very similar to like a story you were saying like there was a shootout um i was my grandmother rest in peace she was we were on the laundromat and i'm just seeing like droves of people running and like these people like just shooting like and it's just like i as a kid i they hit me behind a washing machine and it's just like i was probably maybe like six or seven years old and i still remember that day yeah and it's just these scary it's moments it's just but these are things that mm. not everybody deals with that has to mm-hmm. deal with, you know it's yeah. just and we talk about like mass shootings and so now it's like oh no but now everybody is dealing with shootings now it's like because you know even white people are being affected now but it's just like hey but we've been but it's like <laughs> if you think about this mass shooting a mass shooting is three like three people right. all it takes is, and that's happening in our communities on a daily basis so it's that's like yeah I understand it, it's great for everybody to have this conversation whatever it takes to have you know reform or like gun reform great let's have those conversations but at the same time you cannot keep black people out of that conversation you cannot keep latinos out of that conversation because we have been killing each other or being and being killed right because you also have to account for like law enforcement like all the mm-hmm. and white supremacists and other people that have been killing us for years mass mass shootings have been happening to us for a very yeah. long time it's just now documented it's just now it's being documented right or Don't now start. no i'm just saying no, when there's I mean, a different face i wasn't yeah. <laughs> I really didn't mean it like that. I'm saying to this day, like we've been we get it, we get it, we get it. But this one, yes. Anyway, but yes, Jesus. we get it, we get right. it. But it, you know, it's just again, maybe going off on tangent, but um, it's just really important that you know, just because it's, the faces look different now, more people want to care about it. And mm-hmm. It's just like, but this has been happening. Yeah, I was thinking about that on my way to the studios. Like, it's crazy how now you have the white kids in the schools getting shot at. Now it's like this whole big national oh, thing, and it's like. We have little kids every fucking day that are getting shot at by yeah. their own, by others, like, but nobody ever cared. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, and also going back to like the different organizations for the young people, um, another organization that I think is dope um, is Children of Promise. I've always, that's yes. a like, really dope uh, organization. Yeah, yeah no, I have, I, I profiled them from a series that I work on. They're really dope. They work with kids um, mm-hmm. that parents are incarcerated in Brooklyn. I think you, yeah, I mm-hmm. think you told us about that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I profiled them a while back. Mr. Walker is mm-hmm. a dope guy. Yeah, I've always, like, sometimes when people, a lot of times when people ask me, like, what kind of organizations, I always, like, say, like, that's a good organization to volunteer for as well. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to volunteer for it, but I'm, like, I'm always, like, doing so many things, but I'm, like, I'm going to make time when they, they really have, They have weekend wanted, programs, too. They have weekend programs. They have nights. It, and it's really, really cool, and it's, like, mentors for young kids that, you know, that their parents are incarcerated, and yeah, I always like to bring them into the space, even if I'm not available to do it. If somebody else is available, I think it's a really it's a very humbling experience and you're also definitely giving back to young people that you know just need somebody to like help support them because all it takes is somebody that cares Mm -hmm. yeah that's all it takes is somebody that cares and also again civically engaged my organization as well we're going to be working on um getting some mentees put together so we can start groups soon girls leading up is another organization in east flatbush that's when i'm doing starting doing some good work as well farrah lewis is working on that um for young women Again, um, the different crisis management sites. Also, clergy. There's a lot of clergy doing dope work. I mean, sometimes we keep them out of the conversation, but there's a lot of really cool, like, clergy folks, especially, I want to say, like, East Flatbush that are doing really intentional work um, out there, like, with gun violence and just with, you know, just keeping their community safe. Um, And there's so many different ways to keep your community safe, you know, just, like, again, with the conversations, but you can also occupy your blocks. You can help kids coming home from school, like, safe corridors. Like, there's so many different things that you could do um, with young people and keeping people safe and we have so there's this thing that um, a lot of the organizations that I do work with do is called shooting responses and I had a conversation with some some an, individ, an individual a few weeks ago and they were like well people are just on bullhorn screaming and I'm like but do you understand what that's doing at this moment it's showing that this is not normal mm-hmm. so like somebody's disrupting you know we're, we're disrupting your day-to-day in community right because like right here a shooting took place here today 
and we want everybody to know that shooting took place. This is what happened, and we don't condone this in our communities because we don't say that. So you have people that really care that go out to your community down the bullhorn saying this because it's making you think like, wait, you might just walk by and maybe you're listening, you're not like, listening, but at the same time it's just like, wait, wait, what? Yeah, happened? what? There was a shooting here, like how? And then people are giving resources. Not only are you on a bullhorn saying like, oh, there was a shooting that took place, but it's also like. You can go here for, to get help. Do you know a young person that needs some supportive services? We can bring them. You can bring them here to our organization, or you know, we can refer them out to somebody else. And just like working together, at that as other communities have supportive networks, but in our communities, we're like already in our own silos. We go to work, we do this. We don't have time to help other people. Mm-hmm. But other communities really uplift and hold each other. Like if you you were to fail, I don't be like Stephen over here. Just you know, forget about him. Like just let him go. He's gonna continue to go down his path. I mean, but, I mean, right? But or it's just like, wait, come here. Let me talk to you. Let me bring you in and like, let me, let's really care about you and really see what's going on. Are you okay? Are you, you okay, Stephen? Uh, yeah. Are you okay? Well, since you asked, I mean, <laughs> we're, talk, we're talking about saving sh- lives here. Yeah. It starts work in this room. Stressful. It starts in this work room. Work has really been stressful. I gotta wake yeah. up at like five a.m. now. Oh, that's that's that's, that's that's out of control. <laughs> 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 Thinking about love for work. That is love for work. Waking up at five in the morning. Sheesh. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. But look, there's a question that's been on the tip of my um tip of my tongue since the conversation. So with all this work you're doing, right, you're affecting so many lives, and especially with the youth, which is really dope. Do you feel, in your honest opinion, that the experiences that you've went through in your past, as you talked about, like you know your affiliation with like gang gang activity and all that stuff, do you feel like those experiences kind of helped you, like fuel your work in the sense of Let's say if you didn't go through all those things, do you mm-hmm. think you would still have the same impact with the youth or the people that you're working with than if you were to have gone through those experiences? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. I would think that I think I can make some sort of an impact, but I don't I don't know if the impact would be the same because I know people that don't have the lived experience that they do good work. Right. But there's something about just having that lived experience where somebody could really listen to you because they know that. Okay, you know what it feels like to get in, you know, to a fight. You know what it feels mm-hmm. like that to. That empathy is there. Yeah, it's yeah. like the empathy versus, like, you know, the lived experience where it's just like. Because a lot like, of times those people feel like they're the only ones that's ever dealt with that. Yeah. So when right. they actually have a conversation with somebody, it's like, oh, you went through that too? I, yeah. Exactly. a lot of times you feel yeah. alone when you're in a really effed up place. Yeah, it's like, I know what it feels like to have to take the long way home because if I took the shorter way, I probably wouldn't make it home or I'd right. get jumped. I know what it feels like to have a whole lunchroom follow me out me by myself like i know what that i know what it feels like to be afraid and I, and it's just and and to also i know what it feels like to pretend you're something that you're not so like going back to when i was joking around like i'm i was a spice girls fan like i'm out here but at the same time it's like the days that i would want to laugh i couldn't even laugh mm-hmm. and that's deep like because that's like a sign of weakness because it's like yeah. a sign of weakness because it's like oh she laughing she having a good day all right let me let me let find me a really quick her. way to she like spice to, girls work yeah all what? right start <laughs> stepping on the lollipops right <laughs> yeah man those lollipops were good those chupa chupa facts Talk about it, sis. Of course. They were good. Everybody. You didn't like them? I did. I just didn't think boys were into You don't like flavor? (laughs) (laughs) Do you not like the taste goods? What are you talking about? You're wild. That was Spice Girls, Pokemon time. Uh, It's Spice Girls for life for a reason. (laughs) I went to the reunion tour. To this day. When they first came back. (laughs) It was like, Jay-Z, the Watch the Throne tour was like my favorite all-time concert, but the Spice Girls had that one. Oh, you had to go to watch the Spice Store. That's dope. It's Jay-Z and the Spice Girls. They together. That one? Oh, my God. Don't don't threaten me with a good time. Don't threaten me with a good time. Cut off his mic, please. I beg you. Watch the Spice Store. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but just bringing it back, it's just just knowing knowing how it feels to... um, 
just have those experiences makes it that much more impactful because you could really talk from a place like mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're feeling right now. Like, and then I I can say share my experience. And I'm like, but look where I'm at now. Like, this is not your NLB on. I'm not saying like this is not my NLB. Mode. I hope that I'm in a space where I can continue to you know just continue up and progress. And but I want to bring people with me when I do that because again, I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And what good is it for me? to propel forward and not help bring other people from my like even where I work right now like my boss and the team that I work with they're dope people like individual like great people that all come from like I think the majority of us come from like nature backgrounds or come from like we come from the same neighborhoods that we're trying to serve and we understand the dynamic and just creating a space for like maybe I wouldn't if somebody didn't believe in me maybe I wouldn't be here today but Mm -hmm. it's like you gave me a chance you gave somebody else a chance it's just like now what do I do with that opportunity I have to pay that that forward as well Mm -hmm. where it's just like the times that I've had interns my interns would be like oh Haley she's like uh, crazy to work with but we have great relationships to this day because every intern that I've ever had I've only had three that I've really worked with you know very deeply and they're all employed and all have really good jobs now and like straight out of college and this like and these are all women of color these are all women like Mm -hmm. coming straight out of undergrad like working in their field and making an impact so it's just like and any time that they need me, I'm there for them. Oh, give me a, a letter of reference. Or I'm, I have an interview tomorrow. Like, can we do a mock interview? And I'll be on the phone. I mock interview with them. And I ask them questions. And I'll be like, mm, I don't like how that sounds. Like, let's let's work on that. Like, what does that sound like? And then, again, I, I need that as well. So it's just like, again, the each one teach one and pay it forward. So well, like endless Keaton out here. Because yeah. you're killing it. Thank you. I that's appreciate dope. that. I appreciate yeah. that. But that's what it's about. It's just, you know, spreading love and just positivity. Positivity. Even oh. when we're not feeling positive. You know, like even... And I think those are the words, you know, those are the, the times where you really need to give positivity out when you're not in that great space. Mm. Just like the little bit that you have, you put it out there. And then again, like with the alchemist, is like it you put that out there, it, it comes, comes right back, back to you. Yeah. Absolutely. So really quick, because we are over on time. Oh, you I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, I talked to <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> No, it's fine. Uh, you recently became a professor at Brooklyn College. So speak yes. on that in like three words or less. Three words or less. Um, First, congrats. Yeah, so thank you. Word, so I, I teach at a school I was not accepted to. Dope. Like, <laughs> super right. dope, right? That was, that. That's not three words. Pop up like Gucci, like I'm back. There. Right. Yeah. And um, I had a great opportunity to teach child's welfare. Yeah. Yeah, to this day. Yeah. To this day. What, do you, what do you teach? I teach child welfare, and um, I really got a, well, it could be a long story, but short story, I got really, um, I put it out there, I put it in the universe, uh-huh. and it came, and back. It came back it came to me back. in a moment that I didn't even ex- expect it, so it was like, uh, an unfortunate situation for somebody else became a blessing for me, mm. and I was just like, I want to teach, uh, I'll teach child welfare, I'm like, I was a child, I could do this, mm. but teaching child welfare, um, lived experiences, adverse childhood experiences, what that does to people, but also teaching people um, practicality, so it's just like, I wanted to actually, actually teach you, like, what this work really looks like and building scenarios so it's like not just textbook I'm like this is what what I've done at work and I would bring speakers all the time for them to really get an understanding mm-hmm. of the work that they're doing because if they're working at like let's say ACS or foster care uh, like they need to know that they really have impact so if you need to treat case number one the same way you treat case number 257 mm-hmm. you know like what does that look like so um, it was my first run I think I did good a lot of learning you know lessons learned um, but they brought me back on for another semester so Cha-ching. super dope super dope yeah and it's, it's it's cool it feels good um and i, I really like my new cl- my first class they were cool that's dope so that's that was dope. that was my short story but good job i like good i job. like teacher but college is cool <laughs> harvard on the junction we lit <laughs> um i think that's all i don't i don't think we have anything else yeah that was really that was really dope thank um, you thank you for having me thank this you is for everything like all the uh programs you mentioned we'll put it in like the show by or whatever i'll mm-hmm. i'll make sure we'll put that in there 
And I think that's it. Yeah. I think that's about it, too. I mean, if people want to, could people enroll in your class like anybody? Just well, if you go to Brooklyn College, um, I mean, if, if you're undergraduate yeah, you in Brooklyn it. College, I can't just, I can't just you walk could. on the campus. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. I think so. No, I, the, you could come like and visit a class. Yeah, you could. I think you could have like the times where you could go to a class and just like observe. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't, I got time. I yeah, yeah. Just, if you want to do, do that, yeah. And also, um, <laughs> if anybody is interested and wants <laughs> to learn more about civically engaged or how they could become civically engaged, they could definitely email me Haley H A I L E Y at getcivicallyengaged.com. Mm. I mean dot org sorry dot org oh, um, big facts yeah sorry I'm like dot com you will not get me <laughs> I, I promise I'm li- uh, spam yeah, yeah. spam <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <stop> on it <laughs> spam. so yeah Haley I get civically engaged dot org uh, any social media handles you want to share uh, yes Haley H-A-I-L-E-Y underscore N underscore and also uh, get civically engaged those are the two hashtags I'll put everything in the show bio because you know yeah. people don't pay attention but yeah follow follow still follow. spell my name wrong <laughs> <laughs> everybody oh i thought you meant me i was like huh <laughs> no, i'm safe so um yeah this is a really great episode i want to thank Haley for thank coming you. through shout out to bianca as always for executive producing Absolutely. uh the website is up that's also gonna be on the bio the email is always up and running uh if you do wa- listen or watch the show make sure you screenshot it and tag us on instagram we'll please start do. reposting that please do uh what else if you if you listen on Apple Podcasts, make sure you rate and review. We need those. Those go up on the on the website as well. We are also on Spotify now, so you have no excuse. Joe, I we're will, coming for you. No, <laughs> we really we really gonna pull up on you if you don't fucking listen. And uh, we are close to our hundredth episode. Have we finally agreed on we, what we, we got? Do? Something, we got something whipping up. Um, Vixen no, no. said we got something whipping up, so we got something. We got something up. whipping up. So. Yeah, and that's that. So, uh, yeah. so <laughs> we, we out. Stay tuned. Bye, guys. Thank you. Definitely sophisticated ignorance, and I'm fucking with it.